Welcome to the Everseline podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense. This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited. Catalyst Consulting exists to help people and organisations work better today and be ready for tomorrow. They have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility, lean, Six Sigma, strategy deployment, agile and change management. They can help you and your organisation to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently. To find out more, check out catalystconsulting.co.uk. Russell Watkins is the co-founder of Senpai and is dedicated to helping organisations enhance their business performance. With a background in operations, materials and lean across automotive, aerospace and construction equipment sectors, Russell's lean expertise spans the globe from shop floors to boardrooms in the UK, Europe, the US, China, India, Japan and South America. He's also driving a digital startup focused on lean skills and guiding manufacturers to seizing industry 4.0 opportunities. Russell authored the book Adventures in Lean Land and is a respected speaker and serves as an awards judge. His passion lies in factories which provide the soundtrack to his life. Having trained and coached over a thousand individuals, Russell has a wealth of stories to share. Discussing mistakes in a continuous improvement career is vital for growth and learning. It promotes transparency, trust and a culture of ongoing improvement. By openly addressing errors, individuals and organisations can learn from each other, problem solve and prevent costly mistakes. Sharing mistakes also humanises professionals, fosters innovation and builds stronger and more supportive teams. Matt, thank you very now, today much. Today on the Everseline podcast, Russell shares stories from his journey that can help you as you move forward in your individual and organisational journeys. Russell, welcome to the Everseline podcast. <laughs> Opening the kimono, it just, it, do you know what it reminds me of? The sound of that, right? It reminds me of um, when well, we used to go camping. It's, it's close to it. one to do with being naked. The, caravan, the, the right? phrase you know opening kimono is one of those Japanese but we used aphorisms. To call that, the kimono. So when you say opening the kimono, I'm picturing going in and opening the toilet seat up. And show a bit of yourself. <laughs> sure, it's not that. your naked body or show a bit of the real you. Then you can build the relationship a bit better. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, I mean, I, th- I think it's been featured in books in Japan from 1890s because the Japanese are traditionally very closed off society. You know, they're not they're not very emotional. Does it really? There's an awful I thought lot you were winding me up. How they try to get people to engage and interact, particularly coming through Toyota production system. Some some of these little pithy little quotes are really good to remember that even though you're there as supposedly the lean expert, which is arguable then you should always open the kimono and let people see a bit of vulnerability because it makes them more comfortable. Wow. And it's so true right. it's as more, well. It it's does, more human, it? as you it say. Really and does. like, I mean, the reason that's I why I deliberately always mess up the introduction on these podcasts ever so slightly to make the guests feel more comfortable. You know, I could do it perfectly every time, but I don't deliberately. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely do. It's more <laughs> genuine, I think. There's, there's lots of other podcasts available and fair they play, tend to be play. very business-like. It's like being in a business meeting. You're hearing these two people interact. It's very professional. You don't get none of that here. Um, none so of that professionalism off, with me, I'm afraid. Uh, you ain't like that. It's just finance. two blokes so, having a chat. Uh, I got into manufacturing <laughs> back in 19. So tell us a little bit about your career path then because it's remarkable where you've it. been and what so you've done. It really is. my then-girlfriend, now-wife's mother's factory. First time I've been in a factory, actually, and it was like coming home was wonderful and the sound of a factory has been the the ambient soundtrack to my life since so worked there for a few months absolutely loved it in stores and planning 
then went traveling, came back and decided that that was the career for me, not the degree <laughs> in finance I started with. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you what, it, it kind of it, it resonates with something else I do. So I, I do some alumni work with my old uni, although I've stopped that now because I'm more concerned about vocational people. <laughs> That's but often the case, though. The that happens so often. You, you get them on a Zoom or you have a coffee with them, fourth year, and the university has riled them up into worrying about what they're going to do for the next 10 years and plotting their course. And, and the first thing you end up doing for a couple of weeks is calming them down and saying, don't worry, for the next few years, just try stuff. Give it a go. Try this, try that. Best case, you find something you like. Worst case, you rule something out, but no one's going to hold it against you. Yeah. Do you know, I think it's actually in my blood because I never thought twice about factories. I was always kind of interested in <laughs> it's Japan. It's a really good philosophy. What, what is it about factories that spark that, that ember inside you then? What is now, it that you My really father liked? was in factories for a while. I've done ancestry over the past couple of years. Going all the way back hundreds of years, I've had people in factories. And my grandfather, my favourite grandfather, in fact, probably my favourite man who ever lived, he built Spitfires in the war of Ospathornycroft in Southampton. So there's like a long lineage of factories. So I don't know where there's a part of me that's wired DNA-wise to like factories. But if I try and articulate it, I like the buzz. I love the apparent simplicity, but the complexity of millions of variables coming together to create flow and the problems it throws up. And the fact yeah. that at the middle of it, you've got people who are trying to get this better, trying to get stuff out the door and they form their own little families. They are families away from their families. And it's just a, it's a nice little socio-technical bubble. Yeah, it, I completely agree with you. I spent a lot of time when I worked at Royal Mail on the shop floor. I used to work in a mail centre at one point and, you know, the mail yeah. would come in through one door. It'd flow through all these different areas and then flow out the other end of the building. And there was just something about the hustle, the bustle, the and you're right, the little families and everyone would sit together and eat together in the oh, canteen. It's, it's, it's fabulous. Like a you, mini climate as well of in social Royal life Mail. So I spent a lot of time building. in Boardroom and I spent you mix more time with certain people. If you, you see the same people every day. I know what you mean. I miss that. I genuinely do miss that. Actually. I don't mean that degrees really nice and, and uh, achievements for universities. The sheer processing power of the people on the shop floor versus the people in the boardroom, no difference. Often smarter on the shop floor. It's just that... They learned through their hands. They didn't like school. They didn't have opportunities. And if you want to get savaged and have some banter that will cut your knees off, you go to the shop floor. There are smart people there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It, and they understand it far better like than anyone in a boardroom managers turn up you know, They're dealing with this situation every day. And they go and watch somebody day, who's been doing an operation every day, nine that hours part of a day the production for 10 years. Day, those and they presume every to day. think that in they 10 are the minutes ones they can see it. more. In fact, once, once I, do you know, once I did some work on secondment to Lotus. Do you, do you mind if I go off on a quick story? I was sent on secondment. I was on secondment to Lotus and there was, it was a VX220. It was a launch of like a supercar for Vauxhall. And there was a problem with the windscreens cracking. So first they sent me to Belgium to find out why, why the windscreens were cracking. You so go I went for it, go on. I did my usual thing. Can you tell me where the team leader is? Went and had a chirp to the team leader. Do you mind if I w watch the line? Here's the problem. What do you think the problem is? And he said, you can watch it, but the problem ain't here. The problem is with the, the glass manufacturer. I said, okay, I'll watch it anyway. I concluded he was right. So then they sent me to Peru for 26 hours. Well... <laughs> Well, the, the, the problem was my, my daughter had just been born. So I, did, I didn't want to go up to Machu Picchu because I, I needed jabs. And it was my, it was our first child. And I, I didn't know. Oh, what a shame. I didn't know then. That, <laughs> that you, that 26 hours. In mud and stuff. But anyway, I went to Peru, talked to the team leader in Peru. And the team leader said to me, yeah, I'll show you what, what the problem is. And he showed me. And I went back to Lotus and I said, the problem is this. They said, great. Thank you very much. They, <laughs> you could have found this out yourself. You've just got to ask the people doing the work and the people managing the work directly. You could have sent a semi-trained chimp to do what I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a lesson. But you still got to go to Peru for 26 hours. 
<laughs> Good fun. But it's so often the case, though, we skip over the people who are actually doing the work. And the other thing with it as well, those people might be might have been doing that role for a long time, right? They're long service. They've been there 10, 15 years, and they know how to overcome an issue. And because they overcome that issue every single day, they found that little workaround. The yeah. boardroom might not be aware of that workround. Quite, quite all right. All of a sudden, with, that member of staff retires it has, hasn't or, found its way onto standardised work or anything. It's two fascinating things And then problems that. start. And, the one is that and then everyone goes, yeah, that's always been like that. But no one knows how to fix like it because it's been isolated with that work. person's so they, knowledge. They reach around this. They bend for that. They step over the oil. They grasp the crappy tool. Somehow, they manage to get the work done in spite of many problems. The great thing about people is they're very flexible. The terrible thing about people is they're very flexible. So those things that are abnormal, they become normal. So they cease to see them as a problem. So they cease to talk about them. Now, you couple that with the fact that management and quite often lean people don't listen to them and they stop chirping the ideas up. Yeah. And so the, the communication flow stops. So there's, there's like a double whammy thing going on there. It's true. And uh, our, our job is to learn to yeah, listen. You end up with like two not, companies, not don't you? You've got the shop floor actually ask the right question and, and then you've got the boardroom And if we're really smart, so if we're really smart, from we find other. a way to join yeah, the business Yeah, they're so dependable upon each other. The pain of the people on the shop so that there's a what's in it for me all the way through because then everybody's aligned and pointing the same way. I don't know. It's a good question. I think I yeah. think maybe there's some ego involved. Once you get promoted, then you know you you know more. You're in a more senior position, so therefore you should. But why need do you to think that is? Help. Though, why do you think you that there's such a, an apparent reluctance? Um, I think there is still a snobbery that people online aren't as smart as people who aren't online, which is just plain wrong. When it, it, it goes back to what we said a minute ago. Mm. But I think also, and I, I could talk for people like me, lean professionals here. We have to be careful that our egos don't get in the way and we don't start to think we're a bit special when we're not actually doing any work. Yeah. We're just observing and trying to help people improve the way they do work. So I think there's a mix of ego and an unwillingness to be vulnerable because, to be fair, it takes a brave person, an, an ops director, to invest 15, 20 minutes a day going on the shop floor. That's something else they're not doing, so they have to see the benefit of it. And it takes a bit of letting go of ego to ask somebody a question that you don't know the answer to because you might be found out. That's absolutely right, actually. And the great thing about opening the, opening the kimono to bring us back to the subject of it is yeah, it's that if you open the kimono, you'd be there, stunned you kind of that very like that few will people expose you as they not just having the knowledge talk you about to, what the problems are job. if you ask the right question. No, re rarely. I, I, there's an old, there's an old, uh, there's an so old. So it's in your own mind, a, the perception is you will be judged and you will be frowned upon and looked down upon. And away not for the first capable. three days. But in reality, you'll see it, that's you'll not see it the case. echoed in Fight Club, actually, that, uh, that, that Brad Pitt film. But there's a bit like that. If you go to a shop floor where they've had lots of initiatives, where the management have launched this, that, and the other time after time, and they've all fallen on their ass. And, there's a big 70, 80% of people who want to do good. They don't just want to clock in. They want to improve their own lot and they want the business to crack on and survive. But there have been so many initiatives that it's not worth getting on this bus because there'll be another one along later. So well, why bother? So one, one, almost one of the secrets going back to your man Deming is, I think he called it constancy of purpose. Whatever you do, as long as your path is sensible, don't worry, it ain't yeah. perfect. Just keep plowing it because yep. people will get on board because they're waiting for you to f to flip flop. Yeah, that um, that flavor of the month issue is sometimes. I've been in, in environments before where we've had that flavor of the month. We've rolled this out, then we've rolled this out, then we've rolled this out. And over six months, we've rolled out three or four different initiatives. All of them have you know, fallen flat on their face. They've not been adopted. They've not sustained. And then we go and roll something else out. And I've actually done that where I've stood in front of people and said, do you know what? 
yeah, we have fallen on our face with the last four or five things. This is why you've told us it hasn't worked. So I've spun it round a little bit. So say, look, we've listened to you. This is what you've told me. So I've kind of shown that that weakness within me because I've gone, yeah, look, I hold my hands up. I made a mistake in how we did that. Great work. But what we now want to do is this. So and it builds you upon the all those other things. And the reaction that I had to that was brilliant. Everyone wasn't sitting there going, oh, what are we doing this four feet up on the table? They were like, come on, let's get on with it. And let's do it. Let's do it that yeah, way. It is. Yeah. It definitely yeah. changed the perception. Yeah, there you go. And I didn't know I was even opening it at that time. But now I know I was opening it. But But it's so true. If you show that little bit of humidity, is that what it is? Humidity, no. is that the word? show that little bit of like you say weakness in yourself because we're all human beings just because if i wear a suit every day and a tie and and, and you wear overalls and a pair of gloves well you know doesn't make me we're hard a better person to protect and you know you. We, we, and we, we all make mistakes we all do things wrong we all learn the status involved why in we're so somewhere. afraid to you know, love to understand thing. the psychology but all of this came from i'm currently trying to write a second book misadventures in lean now the first one was called adventures in lean now second one misadventures where i'm trying to talk about mistakes that people like me make and the companies make and I put out a post maybe or oh, three months ago about how do you spot a good consultant from a bad consultant? And there were five questions. And then there was a sixth question. The sixth question I'd say is probably the most important. And the sixth question was you asked the consultant, what repeated failing have you learned from? And if the consultant can't give you an answer to that or is scratching around, you haven't got somebody who reflects because it's the most important question. I go back to when I learned from, from my Toyota sensei, Mixan Toshiyuki Moroka, and we, we were plowing around the country and he was savaging me via an interpreter for two hours a night. And he was, uh, he, he, he gave nothing away. You know, you'd, you'd be, you'd be training a team during, during the day. And then he'd through the, through the interpreter, you'd say, okay, so Mixan, how, how was it? And he'd say, well, what do you think? And it was all <laughs> reflected back to you. And it took me a while to realize that he was trying to develop what Toyota see as the Holy Grail which is self-reliance. If you can get to the end of every day in your operations or lean life, and I'm not talking journaling, if you can get to the end of every day, and if you can be pretty objective about what you did okay and what you didn't and find your own gap, you'll get self-reliant and you'll Kaizen personally, you'll, you'll go upwards. The problem is our current trend on social media, and we all fall into this, is it's a world of lean queens out competing each other to demonstrate that they have the answer and their answer is right. It is, and it's fascinating because I, I have to pull myself back because it's easy to get defensive. You see it all it's the time. It's very easy to get defensive. So, so I, I've been actively trying for the last year not to get defensive and just acknowledge it's like kids bickering. There might be a different view here. But it's the wrong metric, you know. Being right is a wrong metric. The metric we should have yeah. is, and I read this recently and I posted about this about a year ago. If you're not looking back two, three years and cringing at what you put out there on social media, you ain't learning. I so do that as well. I have that on Facebook. They pop up, don't they, on your memories. And I read some of the things that I put 10 years ago and stuff. And I just, I want to die. Like, it's just awful. My, my wife the other day, right, when I first started on the radio, did, I was on did, a community did you ask radio to record station it for you? where I used to live. And the, the, one of the first shows I did, and my wife sent me, the she'd recorded it. She was standing at home. She was listening and she recorded it on her phone and she sent it to me. <laughs> and honestly, Russell. No, no, absolutely not. And I'm honestly, I nearly died when I heard this the other day. And um, I'm tempted to to add it in. I might add it in if if you hear it in a minute. You know, I added it in. All right, when, when we did when I did the edit, but it was so cringe. Uh, and I used to write everything down word for word. So I just read the script because I was so nervous. And um, a song finished, and I put the fader up, and I went, "That's the point, of sisters. I'm so excited. Are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I press play. Oh, honestly, Russell, I just cringe at the thought of it. I, I'm but, not certain if you tried. That shows, I, I don't though, think, on the other side of the coin, I think funeral, I, I don't trying think to make, said that you flatty, can really yeah. see how you've developed. You can really see how far you've come. So perhaps those cringy posts you look back on just make you realise how much you've grown as a human being. Yeah, absolutely. Ums and ahs.
that's interesting. Yeah, quite quite right. I, I I can't agree with that anymore. And um, yeah, but but no, remember, no one else. Is, is, I mean, I haven't noticed that yet. No one else notices that stuff. Um, I've just like found Japanese that link. Do you want to hear that link? Manufacturing plants do that. They I'll put your cup down. You're going to spit in it everywhere when you hear this. I've got to make sure the volume's turned up on it. Like this is shocking. Bearing in mind, I've only been doing this. It's probably my first or second show I've ever done, right? And there was what was called a window person. So somebody in, in planning would have a window person. And so there are all these learning streams going on. And that whole thing, oh, it's hard to be savage to somebody, bit inside. really savage it's if horrific. you've got a face to them and if there's a name. Oh. And that whole thing is a bit senpai kohai. It's, it's a bit like our business. And... The Kohai learns. Honestly, but at the time in my mind, it was right, whoa, really energetic. More, it's a Saturday night, prime time party time. Oh, it's just crazy. That's just shocking. Um, but your point is right. You do. You look back at some of the things you say, and but, but that's how you learn. And some people might be saying similar things. So, so your example. So when I look on LinkedIn, I look at some of the you know the closet lean experts that are posting. And look at some of the things they're saying. They're not saying things anything different to what I might have said ten years ago. It's just where they are on their journey. And I think back to that time. How would I have responded if it's, someone would have come wading you know, in a, and gone, I mean, "This is I'm, nonsense. I'm no what you're talking this, about? This see, is how it is." This. I would have responded better if someone had put their arm around me. And There's said, something in that that I really agree with. In that, if you are if you are looking after a group of people, you've got a coach, and you've got to lead them somehow. So why is there a different word? But there is also something in the fact that man, there is a, if we all try and be inspirational, Simon Sinek style leaders all the time, who's actually doing the work of, right, my team is here. I've got a space there. Maybe they can go into that. Uh, how do I develop this person? There are some management things, some practical things that have to be done, but maybe there's a better word for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's I've, I think I've seen a lot of that over the years. What is refreshing is that as the generations flush through um, and we get the uh, millennials, Gen Y, there's less command and control out there now. There are some really crusty old command and control style yeah, that's, that's uh, people in if manufacturing I could, If I could change one thing about the language the that we use in, nice in business, that a different way of I would doing scrap the word manager. I'd ban the word manager and nobody's a manager. You are a leader or a coach because... I just hate it. People go, I'm a senior manager. And I'm like, are you? Or shouldn't you be a senior coach or, or a, a senior leader? Because you lead your people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And um, funny that, that you had a question down somewhere one, one of your prompting questions was uh what what makes you tick and and i labored long and hard over that and i, I wrote down i wrote down two things really and i wrote them down but wasn't sure i was going to say them because they sound cheesy the first one was seeing people i put down seeing people understand and grow the greatest thing for me is when somebody turns to you after you've shown them something, physically shown them so they could try it, and they say, is that Yeah, it? I think that for manager me is the makes it sound like they're a dictator. Or maybe that's just my perception because I've been in that environment where a manager and, uh, has been the dictator. That, but for me, it just sounds like I say you do. You do what the manager says. You don't answer back. From 2005, who's now global VP for a business. Now, by no stretch was all of his development down to me, but there were some intervention points that I was critical in, he, he tells me. And then there was a manager who was stuck and we had a, a fairly decent verbal scuffle on his yeah. shop floor about five years ago. And he texted me a couple of days afterwards. I, I was a bit uncertain because occasionally yeah, I've been I get too the best Japanese style in my teaching. Coaching people. Within rapport, you can be me harsh 15 years ago that you'd have loved stage. talking to people he, he and just me, and helping them get to uh, the root cause of, of the problem and then encouraging Again, them how to solve it without telling that. them. I'd have said, I haven't but got time for that. I'm nice in too much of a rush. Just got to tell them what to do. But I think as I've got older and perhaps a little bit wiser, I think that coaching side, if I walk away from a site, and I've been able to influence somebody and help oh, them on their you. journey. Well, oh, well, look, that's an that's amazing a, that's another feeling. I, I prefer snake oil salesman. 
by the way, this the second thing in terms of what makes me tick, um, and you know, there's all there's there's all the usual stuff about about wanting to see businesses drive on and improve, and a passion for UK manufacturing. Which, by the way, UK manufacturing today, having dropped from seventh to ninth in the world in in terms of our position today, we've overtaken France, and we are now eighth in the world again, which is which is fabulous news. But there's but there's still a long way to go. But the other thing I was going to say was humour, finding the humour in things, because there's some nice, dark, gallows humour on shop floors, and you can unlock people and get rapport with well-judged humour, I think. It does. It does. And, and humor can be a powerful way of communicating as well. So I've got three quick examples for you of where humor is. It's really helped. I had an old boss. He was a boss of a two billion pound group and he would communicate primarily through metaphor and yeah, stories. Absolutely. So and I'm sure the part you played actually is quite substantial you, you know because that, that coaching and that guidance, it comes across when I talk to you. You can tell I had that a dream last night person. that I was run down by a forklift. I said, okay, uh, that, that's not good news. And he <laughs> Damn said, you, you know you're what? a charlatan. You're a fraud. And then he asked me to leave his <laughs> office. He said, that's it. Now, I'd been working with him for about a year at that point, And I knew that what that little story meant was your focus is going to shift now. He was saying in our 17 factories, I'm not now confident that we are driving our forklift safe enough in the factories. And I want to make sure that we have a push on that to make sure certification is right and pedestrians are behaving right. And it's all gangways leveled up, et cetera. But he was also wow. saying the yeah. forks are empty bit is also, I think we have too many forklift movements. We're moving around like a cab, a taxi, dropping off and then hunting for a fare, driving around dangerously with empty forks mm. when we should be like a bus. Do you know you what? I never completely agree. Passengers. And I think going back to what we said earlier about how you get very business podcasts and they're very, you know, very official and very yeah, technical. That's it. And you can I do that. You, you can, you can do really smart so things like that. I, I was, I on a learned this from with individuals. Sensei, if you just add in, in some well-placed humor, I'll get back I'm not to talking about going down there and giving them your best I Ricky Gervais. I was in a factory like, about terribly five years ago. I was working with you can just make light of something. Injection molding and assembly. The injection molding shop, they would mold everything and they would send it all to their warehouse world's biggest warehouse and then when they needed it they would pull it back into assembly so it's decoupled what they should have been doing was reducing their batch sizes molding to order and pulling into assembly so i was walking the shop with the md and he just couldn't grasp that this was a problem until i told him that the door to the warehouse i will only ever refer to that as a door of failure from now on every time pilot of parts goes from mold through that door you've opened the door of failure and that, that phrase stuck in his head and it got him over the point where he could now see, ah, uh, okay, so I'm tying all that up in the warehouse. I've got to pay for it, blah, 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 the inventory, et cetera. Back to the humor. Walking past a cell in JCB, actually. Not so, no, about 10 years ago it was. There's a Norwegian artist called Edvard Munch. He, he did a, a picture called The Scream. It, it's a famous painting called The Scream. I walked past this cell. I never met the cell person. And this photo was up there. Pinned up, taped up beautifully on the wall. And that told me everything I need to know about where that person was. Either they yeah. have a very strong, dark sense of humor or it's carnage there and he needs some help to sort something out. And then really in the same fact, so, so what he planted the seed cell, effectively and, and then just stood back and let you grow it on the shelf. On the shelf, he put, and, and I'm going to sanitize this, he, he put some tape there where the hammers should be and he put effing hammers, only effing hammers. <laughs> Now, if you're smart, that tells you everything you need to know about how to proceed with 5S there. Somebody's up for it, so you've got an ally. Other people aren't buying into it. What's the reason why? So those, those little bits of comedic things that you see up, they're also breadcrumbs that help you learn how to unlock yeah. what to do next.
Yeah. Yep. Are you ready to elevate your team's ways of working? Are you seeking fresh insights and growth opportunities? Our experts will assess your team's practices, providing valuable insights for improvement and celebration. Reward and recognize your team with this certification tailored specifically for creating an improvement culture. The BQF Academy accreditation acknowledges your journey, outstanding outcomes and future plans. Whether you utilise Lean, Six Sigma, project management yeah. or continuous improvement techniques, yeah. this certification celebrates your incredible why, uh, work and positive impact. Is, is Propel your team's performance to new heights with the BQF Team Excellence Culture Certification. Visit www.bqf.org.uk today and let's celebrate your success together. And something like NLP is a 13-time single prize winner Dr. Jeffrey Leiker and Toyota Kata author Mike Roth have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere? Listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters well, themselves. That may, that may be Skip that, the rest that you, and go with the best. On, on Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. If you rattle Build a connection as well, you can't do it on your own. It's a bit, You've got to do it with people the people. And it can, can be a bit alarming. Like you say, you can build it can feel like I'm being It's always different as well, isn't it? My mind thinking back over my past now, it's running through all the experiences I've had. So, but it's so different in different organisations, different with it, even within an organisation. It's different I, I haven't, on different uh, projects, in different areas of the factory floor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And most of the time you judge it right. Because uh, you start, you generally start softly and then you feel out where the boundaries are and you can feel where, where you can push. And sometimes you get it wrong. And uh, when, whenever you get it wrong, you've got to learn from it. Because you've, mis you've misread the person. Interesting. This is like neuroscience involved here. You're getting quite, yeah. you're quite deep. This is good. I like this. Yeah. yeah. My wife did a uh, psychology degree, and I always feel that yeah, she's psychoanalyzing yeah, yeah. me when well, we're um, talking that's a, about that, stuff. That's a great example. I, 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 I spend more really time thinking about how she's trying to catch Art's me out a smart man than I do about actually answering the questions she's asking me. Non-American, non-Japanese <laughs> managers in Japan, I think. <laughs> Um, he's a he's a bit like John Shook in the in the he's American, but he's very smart. I think it was Art Smalley who codified. No, it wasn't. It was Stephen Spear who codified. It's Stephen Spear, and I I nicked this because good lean people are magpies. I I nicked this years ago. For managers, this is a tremendous gift. If you want to know how strong your standardized work is to build in quality safely and and hit your cycle times, there are four questions you can ask as you go down. And you, Matt, have just given me a couple of them. So the first question is, is to go to a and cell. Do you find that sometimes you need to change these. that frame to go to the, the audiences? Can you tell me, different. how do you do this work? How, how do you do this? Just the open question. How do you do it? And then the second question is, how do you know you're doing it correctly? And then you're hoping that they're going to point you to some kind of standardized work or SOP or something that's given them guidance rather than just the way you're doing it. The third question is, 
How do you know your outcome I've is going to be defect before free? With, with which a, takes like, a line manager the quality of that, built that in work the process. area. Are there any There's been an issue, and checks? I've said, come, doing come let's go and talk to the people. The let's find out what, what happened. What do you do if you have a problem? And the line manager which will ask tells you proper, closed questions. How did you do this? Simple, have you done that? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? I'm expecting them to go down there and go, talk to me about why this happened, or what do you think about that? How often does this occur to bring the sort of the story story out of the people <laughs> I was just going to say maybe it's a different yes, person yes to- Toyota Carter <laughs> Yeah, it does. And the intuitively Toyota Carter feels right to me in terms of the thinking way, because it doesn't just get you to blindly try and improve anything anywhere. It asks you to consider where do you want to go and what are the specific barriers? So it's a discipline, I think it's a mental discipline. Yeah, it's it's that it's that kind of thing embedded learning without learning. It takes some skill to do <laughs> but, that. But what you say, it's like a magpie. You go and you collect these gems. Um, I've got a whole back catalogue repertoire in my brain of things I've nicked from other people that I, I repeat all the time. But I'm currently reading this um, "Giving Wings to Her Team" by Jeffrey K. Liker and Tylo Schwartz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have a, a card like you can download. You go on the little website, you click on the uh, QR code, and it takes you to their website. No. And you can download the, the questions that you are. No, 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 no. I I, I, I signed up for projects. this. I want I want to talk, talk about, about the target the condition, the actual yeah, condition. Because of what I said a while ago, it's a really really interesting way of thinking that aligns perfectly to what you were just saying. I think so we have to start opening our kimonos. And it seems to me that as you get a little older, I've just turned fifty a couple of years ago. As you get a bit older, you. I think you feel a bit more secure in admitting where you've not done things as well as you could in the past. So in that spirit, I've got five mistakes I want to talk about. They fall into three categories. One is the yeah. way I lead activities. Absolutely. It's bit, it, yeah, uh, another it's a really is way of describing it, actually. places where I fail to practice what I've learned. It's a scientific And the third is where in planning transformation, and it takes you back to, like you were saying before, wrong. about the senseis so and uh, Mr. Miyogi. You know, so the first on, one, I'll, I'll start simple. The he first was teaching one is five S gone wrong. The student didn't know what it was all about. He was getting frustrated. It's 1999. With my Toyota in Edinburgh. And then later that night, he threw the punch. He said, do wax on, wax off. He threw the punch, whacks off, and he knocked his head out of the way. learn to lead when you're being <laughs> trained by Toyota, Honda, or Nissan engineers is a 5S activity, like a 3S blitz on the shop floor. So now, if you'd to like to learn more about Toyota Cutter and have free lifetime area. access it's to the materials, huge. click the link He'd in the description below area. and go and, and sign up to the e-learning where you I can learn about this incredible approach for less than £100, all courtesy of the legends that are Jeffrey K. Liker and Mike Rother. It doesn't get better than that. So tell us some more of your mistakes then. Not that I'm picking on you, Russ. I'm sure you had some successes too. You always love to clean And then at the end, I said to him, hey, mix them. Okay, do you like it? And his two words to me were very pretty. Now, if you know anything about five S and 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 you do, very pretty is the worst thing you can say because because you've just put you've just put lipstick on a pig. And he took he took me over and he he showed me a couple of two rollers that there were broken teeth on. He showed me some material that was in a bad condition, and that two word early rebuke has informed the way i do 5s ever since go small go deep set the example show them how you only get one chance to train their eyes and if you train them at a very surface level that's what they're going to do (laughs) 
Well, it, it, it works the other way, you know. I've done very, very good 5S activities with teams where we have tackled real safety, quality and delivery problems, but it hasn't looked pretty afterwards because the purpose of 5S isn't to make it look sexy. And the MD has come down and is expected to see something pretty, not something that functions better in a safety, quality, delivery sense. So there's a part to play in terms of the MD as well. So second one was practical problem solving with a team, year 2000. My first solo practical problem solving activity, we did the data analysis, pie charts and pre-tos to find the biggest quality problem. And then with them <laughs> over the course of two days, I locked them in a room and created the world's biggest fishbone. Absolutely enormous. Yes. Without once, and I, I emphasize, without once going out of the room to confirm at each step, is this a potential cause of the problem? It was an extended speculation. It, it stopped just short of, well, an asteroid could have hit. You know, I, I, if, it, if somebody had, had, had have suggested it, I'd have put it on the fishbone. And so what, what I ended up with was a massive fishbone with lots of post-its. And so when we came to do the, the five whys... And it's such a true story start? as well. I think You've we can all, no you know, those of us that have, have worked in the environment where we've tried to do the 5S, and again, and, uh, the especially the when you, I got you first start out one. on a lean journey. I, I'm a very good problem solver now. I'm a very good coach of problem you do first of all, just to win people around. And you bring the senior guys down to see what you've done. And if you learn to self-reflect, then you will improve every day. Oh, I can feel it. I feel it for you. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Was was there an associate, an associate, an operator involved? Was was there a team leader involved? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and even those times, even when you can't free an associate off the line for four days, and to be fair, you should be able to, even when you can't, you, you can get them involved in the first half an hour, you can get them involved in the in the, the last half an hour, and you can take 15, 20 minute chunks each day just to ask them. Because you've learned. And, and to update them and get their feel for it. Because if you don't, you know, it's like, it's it's like doing 5S to somebody. If, if I attended I came it, into your event a few months ago, you were, you were I didn't attend day one, so yeah. I joined on day if three. If I then moved your furniture around and event, said to you, it's better and for you now. day three, even if it was objectively, like technically better, you're walking less far to get to go and get a beer or a brew, you would reject it. And why they don't do it. Because I haven't asked you. speculating and reasons why all listed down on this spreadsheet. And I was like, have we actually asked the associate why they don't do those things? Like, no, 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 we know, we know. And I'm like, but you haven't asked them. Yeah, but we know. And I was thinking, well, this isn't yeah. going to go yeah. the right way. If you don't actually ask them, I bet you'll be surprised. You we went down is, there and asked them the question. Uh, nails and wrists, you asked all the people, birds. not just now, one. Nails and wrists Some of the reasons that China, come out won't be on that spreadsheet. And you're missing which was the my whole mistake. purpose. Trousers and burrs was Norfolk 2021, nice. shows that I'd learned. So, so there was, there was, there was a team leader, uh, a couple of line managers, and all that. but again, they're distant from the process. I, I get that you know, they want to move fast, and we've got to get it done in four days, we need to move through this really, really quickly, but if you're not going to get the value out of it, you might as well not bother doing it, just wasting the four days. Pound to a penny, they're going to have to go back and reanalyze that part of the process, I tell you, it wasn't thorough enough for me. It was a new plant, so there were parts all over the show, line siding, carrier bags, and crates, and that kind of thing. I did some line balance with them and I did some 5S with them. I was four days in, I'm sure it was four days in, before I noticed that a lot of the operators had scratches on their wrists. And it was yeah. because they'd been reaching into these big uh, wooden crates to get parts because there was no line side racking at that point. And they were scratching themselves on the nails that had been left when they prized the lid off. Now, that's a management failing. My failing 
was that I would preach left, right and center, safety first, then quality, then delivery. But I failed to observe were the people being kept safe until day four. Yeah, but how dare you come in here and move all this around? What do you think you're playing at? I like my chair over there. But it's so true because the first thing you do is you get a group of managers together and we go, we're going to go down and fix that. The first thing I noticed was that John, our operator, (laughs) scratches all the way down his trousers. And so... With China in the back of my mind, I, I look at him and I look across and Andy's got scratches too. And Rob's got scratches. And it was because they were having to lean over bird up edges to get to the other side to assemble of what they're assembling. And those scratches were making their skin roar underneath, but they got sick of telling people. But I spotted it early. That was a failure to practice. quite right but i and i was only very sensitive to that because i'd failed previously so failure is a good thing yeah yeah right Wow. Yeah. Do you know, you can, you can take that all kinds of ways. So Yamazumi translates this to pile in heaps. You know, it's your, it's your line balance chart piled up. If you're really smart, then offer your standardized work, you'll color code the elements and the, the bars obviously are the same size as a cycle time relatively. Your color code may be green for value added, red for non-value added or waste. And you'll stack them up. And when you do your rebalance to get everybody below tact and improve your line balance ratio and efficiency, I've seen at the top boxes, January, February, March, April, May through to December. And as the team leader reduces waste, eliminates waste off the line, let's say element four is to go and get brackets. And that was taking 20 seconds. If they've moved them closer, so now it takes 10. They cut that strip in half, leave the 10 behind that's left, and they put the 10 in March oh, if they wow. did it in March. So you get a real-time monitor of where their kaizen is. it's also showing the observation skills of your eyes. You know, Beautiful. you're in there Beautiful. straight away. You're looking at what you see rather than what you think you should I'll, see. I'll send you the photos. You're really seeing good. what's actually there. Wood for the trees. So these two are about my approach. One of them is about... Uh, a lean transformation yeah. attempted. Question for you. Slightly off topic. About, with the line balancing you were doing when you went out to so, China, was uh, you doing Yamazumi? I production system for my employer. I love Yamazumi. It's my favorite lean exercise. I love it. Do you know how I like to do it? On a whiteboard part of it, with based on my um, every centimeter is a minute or, or something like that. And then you cut it out and then you stick it and you get the operator to stack it and move it around. It's such a great exercise to do. I love it. And you go narrow and deep and you establish a model area. A pilot area. You'll know the pilot area approach. So 18 sites, 2 billion turnover. We wanted to level them all up. Interestingly, my gaffer had said, look, you're a skilled person when I first came in. If you think we're currently going this way, Mm -hmm. so north, say, on our lean journey, and you think we should be going south, whatever you do, don't put the anchors on. Can you do a nice little elegant curve and kind of nudge us on the right course so that it doesn't, doesn't look like we've cocked up before? Now, at that point, it didn't feel right, but I said, yeah, we can manage that elegantly. And that was a part of the root of the problem because the model area rollout on the 18 sites went fine because it's pretty simple. You get everybody seeing the right things. You can set the image of what you want. But my plan then was having chosen a model area, That's a pilot brilliant. area near the customer. What a great visual as well. That's site, So a high volume value Love it. Stream, See, I'm going to bank that one as my own. I'm going to magpie that. I then wanted them to crawl out from <laughs> yeah, there thank and you. expand their model area to cover the value stream, process in front, process behind. And then we do some value stream mapping with them. The failure was that they were ready for model areas because that's pretty universal. It's not difficult to do. There are certain things have to be in place to attempt to do a value stream transformation, and it's not always the right thing. And so despite fighting it over the years, I actually did a bit of a copy and paste there. Fundamental lesson was that I pushed the solution on the value stream mapping. I didn't let them pull on a central resource. And I've said this to so Mm. many people. If you're looking to get your Kaizen promotion office, your lean people engaged in the business, create some hunger, create some pull in the business. Don't push activities on the businesses.
I, I said it'd be quick. That wasn't quick, was it? So th- this one will be. Final one. <laughs> <laughs> Final one. Over teaching now. I've given you years and locations for the other ones. This one could have been any time over the past 25 years. What I've found is when you're passionate about something like I am and like you are about lean, and when you have a decent processing power so you can join the dots, you can see, oh, if we do this and we can do that and the other, there is a real risk of overteaching. So a number of times I've said to teams or to people I've coached, right, we want to do A and then we'll do B. And I should have stopped there. What I've then gone on to say is, okay, We'll do A, then B. Oh, by the way, C will follow, and then D, and then E will do this, and then F, and a G, and it eventually will get to Z. Looked at them, and you've blown their mind. Not because you're smarter, but because you've trodden that path. It's obvious to you. But they can't see a clear image of the next step. You've you've introduced too much noise. And so it takes a brave man or woman. It takes a need to strip away ego, but simple is best, and you train a bit try it, train a bit, try it. And you go right. through those escalating Kaizen cycles and don't get too excited. So you overteach. Especially if you're hardwired to pass knowledge, but it's one of those cases where less really is more. Again, you create a pull. You, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink, but you can make them thirsty on the way. Such a common mistake though. And it's such a well-made point. Got to be pull, Same. not push. No, let's go for it. This is this is gold dust. Okay. Okay. Three. Okay, I might be all right. Okay. Many times. And it's such a tempting thing to do, isn't it? That overteaching. I can name Woolworths. Pick and mix is fabulous. Mm. Right, Russ, I'm going to put you to the test now with the, the yes, no game, the bit you've been looking forward to. Yeah, basically, there's 60 seconds on the clock. I'm going to ask I think customers you questions related more. to a particular uh, subject, which you're they choosing are a second. Wanting and you service. just cannot say yes, no, any form of yes, yeah. no, no, oh, ahas, uh-huh, and see how long you can last. I'm going to try desperately to catch you out as well. I mean, I mean, that was, I was looking out for one, that one card as well. Two I was looking card out for that three. one. Livid, absolutely livid. Three is retro retail. So this is about. Retail outlets still, from the 1980s still, I can, to I can the year 2000. This is a, yeah, I haven't seen the questions yet. Let me just scroll down. <laughs> oh, I remember some of these. This is going to be good. This bit of nostalgia in this one. So the next thing you're going to hear is the Thank music that puts some pressure you. on you. And basically, I will then start firing the questions. Just do not say so yes we've, or no. we've recently uh, revamped our website. We're on our offering. Right, right, right. Courses, no, coaching, yes or no. You can say anything else, but not yes or it's no. Have you ever rented a you movie from Blockbuster Video? Senpai. We've got a YouTube channel. Can you name uh, some iconic Expert, retail brands from the 1980s to the year 2000 that hold special memories for you? Lean for everybody. And uh, we've recently name one. relaunched our scorecard. So again, go to LinkedIn, Always. you can see oh, our scorecard you, you and you'll also commits. be able to see Senpai Guide, our digital app, our toolkit. <laughs> Funnily enough, the next question leaders. is, did you shop at Woolworths for household items? How have customer preferences and retail practices evolved since 1980s to the year 2000? Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, I, I really service. enjoyed that. It's uh, it's probably the most. <laughs>
Gotcha! Gotcha! <laughs> oh, the bus. You've you've made my day, Russ. I feel like a new man. It's just <laughs> it's just the, the the joy. Yeah, learn for it. Yeah, ignore all my follow-up questions and just wait for the next question. You were close, though. You weren't far off there. I think you were quite near the end. Well done, though. Anyways, a, a, a valiant effort. I think you've done yourself proud. Right, before I let you shoot off, where can people learn more about you? Where can they go? massively recommend the YouTube videos as well. I've watched a few of them now and they are superb, absolutely superb. I will put the links to all of those places down in the description below so anyone can hop on and have a look, but definitely recommend checking out the YouTube videos. Thanks, Rush. You've been an absolute star. Oh, good. I'll take that on. The, that can stay in. That's staying in on the edit, that one. <laughs> Some key takeaways from today's discussion with Russell. Russ describes opening the kimono as a Japanese term originating from the 1890s, meaning showing a bit of yourself, some humility, a bit of the real you. It can help to build strong and trusting relationships. The practice creates a comfortable environment between hierarchies in organisations. If you're at the early stages of your career, there's no need to panic about the next steps. Take your time, try things, learn, and keep ploughing your own path. It'll work out in the end. Factories are microclimates. The shop floor is awash with knowledge, experience, politics, banter, and family-like units. Taking the time to involve and understand is well worth the investment. Russ's story from Lotus about visiting Belgium and then Peru to understand why the windscreens were cracking is a prime example of time, money and effort being wasted where just engaging with operators directly would have provided the information that was required. Imposter syndrome feeds on our insecurities. It can lead to us to be defensive, reluctant to show vulnerability and humility. In our minds, we can feel that if we show a lack of understanding, ask a question, make a mistake, or show weakness, in inverted commas, that people will lose respect for us, judge us, or mock us. But in reality, very few people will judge us for this. However, there is evidence to suggest that the perception of vulnerability and humility is often viewed more positively by others than those experiencing imposter syndrome might anticipate. Sharing doubts, asking questions or admitting to a lack of understanding can actually enhance trust and collaboration in professional and personal relationships. This aligns with concepts of psychological safety and a growth mindset. Now, coaching and development of others is an incredibly rewarding exercise. It's also a fantastic way to learn and develop yourself as a leader and as a coach. If you want to turbocharge your coaching skills and have a lifetime access to supporting materials, the online Toyota Improvement Cutter and Coaching Cutter Basics course is a great place to start. It's inexpensive and provides a brilliant framework that you can apply anywhere. You can find the link down below in the description. Research supports the idea that using appropriate humour can be a valuable tool for building relationships and enhancing learning. Humour can stimulate positive emotions, improve memory retention, reduce stress, foster communication and create a sense of camaraderie among individuals. It's a powerful tool for making connections and facilitating effective learning and communication. Now Russ spoke about how as we age we tend to feel more comfortable and secure about admitting where we could have done perhaps things a bit better in the past. The examples Russ gave fell into three categories. He spoke about activities about places he'd failed to practice what he'd learned. He spoke about planning in lean transformation and how he got it wrong. This got me thinking about the mistakes I've made in my career. I found it a bit of a cleansing exercise thinking about what I'd learned over the years. Something I can't recommend enough for you as an individual or even as a group exercise to do with your team. You don't have to share your reflections, but encouraging the thinking process is a valuable one. 
Reflecting on past mistakes and areas of improvement in your career is beneficial because it promotes personal professional growth. It enhances self-awareness, improved decision-making and can make a valuable exercise for teams, fostering a culture of continuous improvement and accountability. All in all, this was a fantastic conversation and I'm so pleased that Russ came on and, and told us about his experiences and his learnings and really made it feel like it's a normal experience that we all go through and there's no shame in admitting you made a mistake or learning from those mistakes. We are human beings. That's what we do. Right, that brings us to an end of this episode of the Eversaline podcast. Thanks to Russ for joining us today and opening the kimono, talking about his failures, his learnings and the benefits of talking uh, about failures, how it can help us improve in the future. It's truly the best way to learn. If you like the sound of today's show and would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Eversaline podcast at eversaline.com. We'll also find episodes that you may have missed. If you can, please take a moment to like and review the Eversaline podcast on the platform that you listened on. I'd be extremely grateful and each review means so much and I really do appreciate every single one. If you're on the socials, check us out. Give us a like, give us a follow. Let me know about your lean efforts. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Eversaline podcast. And don't forget, Eversaline, you know it makes sense. The Eversaline podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit eversaline.com to find out more. Yeah.